So if you're going to be too busy to actually learn about some of these things, like I'm not going to teach you a class, but if <laughs> you're going to be too busy to at least sit with me to like learn these little elements that can actually elevate your brand, but we might not be the right fit, right? You're listening to a podcast by 2M Creative Labs. Creatives have so much to give. Listen to diverse and talented creatives as they recount their experiences in the industry and share their expertise, strategies, mindsets, and ideas. On this episode, we have Ema Ekinem, a web developer and graphic designer. Founder of Black Owned MB, we talk about her process on approaching design conversations with clients, her strategy when a client says, I want something simple, and her experience with Black Owned MB. Enjoy the episode. Hey, everybody. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. And on this episode, maybe we can just have our guest introduce herself, let us know who you are and what you do. Hello, everyone. My name is Ima. I'm a full-time researcher and a part-time front-end and graphic design designer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's me. That's awesome. Uh, so when did you get started with graphic design and full front-end design? I've been designing since 2012. I took it as a course um, in school and it just kind of started from there. Like I learned just the basic, you know, Photoshop, Illustrator, InDesign. Um, and then for the rest of it, it's just all been self-taught. I've kind of just watched YouTube videos um, as well as just take like little courses and demos and stuff like that. So yeah, since 2012, I've been on this journey. Um, I started just doing like plain graphics and then I moved towards the coding aspect of things like HTML, CSS. Um, and now I know more of JavaScript and I'm currently trying to learn Python. But yeah, that's it. That's, that's so cool. That's something that like for us personally, like we're we're always struggling. We always say like, oh, web design so hard. You got to do all the HTML and and all of that. Um, what was the, what's the experience been like kind of being self-taught and running your own design studio? Hmm, where do I even begin? <laughs> it's, been, it's been challenging, but also rewarding at the same time. So I've worked with like amazing people and I've achieved amazing work. Um, but there has been a few times where it's been quite overwhelming, right? Cause it's just me. So I have to do the onboarding, the, um, all the intake stuff, all the invoicing, you know, all those type of things. And sometimes I'll have like four or five clients at once. And mind you, I'm still doing this part-time. So I still have my full-time job as well, right? Mm-hmm. So it does get overwhelming and challenging. And I've had to change my business model and the way I approach um, running a studio like quite a few times. So, um, so now I've kind of like gotten the hang of it where I know the amount of work I can do. Like I know, for example, I can do like three websites a month. So if I book three um, web, I guess, packages, I know I don't book anything else because I won't have time for it, right? So like I'm not mastered, not overwhelming myself with work. (laughs) And, you know, I've dealt with the not so pretty side of working with some people. Uh, That comes with everything, you know, it comes with like any job really that you do. But um, yeah, it's been great so far. That's so cool. So when did you kind of notice that, oh, you're getting overwhelmed and what, what sort of tipped you off to say, like, I'm going to make a shift and this is the quota of uh, projects that I can book this month? I think mostly it was around, I want to say like 2014. So that time I was like, okay, I was contemplating doing design full time. So I was like just booking as many um, projects as I can. Then I realized that there's such an overlap. Like you would think you book somebody like, say, let's do a three week logo design. But then you realize when it comes to corrections and changes and this and that, that three weeks can easily become six weeks. Mm -hmm. And that cuts into another project you've booked that's about to start right so that whole back and forth is not always smooth also look at the response time right like i'll send say i send a client something on monday i might not get a response till the following week so So, you know so that extends the time for completion so that kept happening quite a bit and i was like yeah 
projects are just overlapping too much and it's becoming stressful because you're like trying to close one out, but you're also starting one. And they were all just um, starting at different times and ending and then in the middle. So it was just becoming so confusing that sometimes I'm like, wait, which client is where again? Mind you, I'm still doing all of this by myself. So I had to really reconsider um, the model and how many clients I can book and stuff like that. That's cool. Um, so what is your process like when it comes to having these conversations with clientele about like websites and like design? Like how do you go from introducing introducing them to presenting like the the finished website? So for me, my design process is like once I book an initial call with the with the client, um, you know, we just try to get to know you a bit. Before this whole COVID thing, I would meet you like if you're in the city. We meet up for coffee, just kind of see how um, we vibe and if we are a good fit, right? Because I think that's something that people ignore quite often, like whether or not you're actually able to work with somebody. Mind you, you're working on something that is personal to them, right? So you kind of want to be able to get a feel for who they are. So after that, like once I and we both kind of decide that we're going to be a good fit. I do a discovery part, right? So I send the client, um, I have a whole PDF form, just kind of asking questions like, who's your audience? Who, what is your product? Like, currently, what is your um, brand identity, right? Like, what is the message you're trying to convey? Those type of questions. And then we do a Pinterest board. So I love Pinterest. I use Pinterest for a lot of things. And I incorporate that with my clients just to kind of see what they like. You know, so I'll create like different boards, like for fonts, um, colors, just images, um, anything I can think of. And I'll just get them to pin, but pin with intention. You know what I mean? Like I tell them, don't just pin anything random that you see. Like think about your brand and do it intently, right? So mm. We do that. And then once all that like um, onboarding stuff is done, we go through it and then the design process starts. So for me, I do a lot of research depending on the industry you're in. I would do um, industry based research to see, okay, what's um, popular right now? What's not like what is um, setting different brands in this industry apart? And so I do that for myself. And then I proceed to the design process. So the design process, I usually like to do multiple variations of things. So if it's like a logo, do like three. Um, if it's a website, I'll do two. Um, and then I just get the client to pick through, talk about them. Okay, which one is working for you? What is not? What you like about this one? What you don't like? Um, and then we kind of build together from there. You'll have some clients who will literally give me creative control and not really be as interested in the creative process and then others are really hands-on right so for those who are hands-on it's always um it's always great it's always a learning experience because you see where you start and where you thought the client um was gonna go and then you see where you finish right mm -hmm. um but yeah it's been that's kind of how i do it and it's it's always worked for me um clients have always come out with something great and you know there's always revisions there's been the odd few times where like i've sent something and it's been approved right away without correction but i always encourage corrections because um some people might look at something now and say okay yes this is going to work for me but then later down the line as the brand expands business expands they might realize okay this thing that we did might not actually be working for me so i always encourage um revisions so that people can kind of see, okay, if you were to choose this, what would it look like with your with your current business? Like what would it look like with your brand? So many different things. But um yeah, that's currently my process. That's pretty cool. And I really like the idea of um as you say, like pick or pin with intention. And I think that's an interesting point is because Oftentimes you, you look at something on Pinterest and you're like, oh, I like that and I'm going to add it. But without doing the whole brand discovery, you might not necessarily see that as an actual fit. Because like, I think like that's one thing that um, I've noticed just kind of um, over time, like observing Serena's work 
and people people were just like, oh, I like these things. And then there's no real thought of like, what is your what is your brand? Like, do these actually fit um, your like the audience that you're trying to speak? Yes. To? And the thing is, I try to take little pieces of the things that they've pinned and put it in whatever design that we like whatever the project is, just because then I know it's going to resonate with them and they're, um, they're going to be more connected to what the design is and what the project is more. And when they go to explain, if somebody asks them, oh, like, what is this about? Like, what was the process? It's easier for them to explain rather than just saying, oh, yeah, my designer did it. It's mm-hmm. like, no, <laughs> um, you went through this process of pinning and picking out things and elements that you um, want as part of your brand and you see that. So it's easier for you to speak from that perspective, right? Mm-hmm. And it's going to be easier for you to convey your brand message as well when you are connected to the piece and the work that was created. That's actually such a good point. Just like when you're talking to someone and explaining, oh, what do you do? And you're able to describe like components that the designer made. And yeah, like that comes alive a lot more and you're more involved in your brand. And I never really thought about it that way because it's like, oh, this, you know, my designer made this without, and you don't have an idea of why it fits. Yeah. And that's That's the thing I find with a lot of people, they don't know (laughs) why some things work and why others don't. Right. So, as much I always tell other designers, like as much as you can involve your clients in the process, right? Like, you know, there's a part where your expertise will show, but also they're coming to you because at some point they just need um, their ideas enhanced, right? So having them in- involved in as much as possible in like the critical parts of it will just help them further because once you've delivered the project they have to go out and continue to represent it and promote it right so if they have no idea what it's about it's going to be hard for them to actually continue to convey that message later so that's my little (laughs) addition to that i like that that's that's good to keep in mind do you have a strategy when clients say i want something simple you find that it's a situation where they may not know what they yes. want. And it's actually a funny thing. So my strategy is I give them that. I give you exactly what you ask for because most times, just like how you said, a lot of people don't know what they want. So they'll say, Oh yeah, I just want something, you know, simple, something like this or that. So I've kind of mastered the art of white space and minimalism in my design. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will deliver in the initial stages, I will send you something that is quite minimal, um, but still effective, still nice. And about 60% of the time, I'll have clients be like, no, like, this is not what I asked for. <laughs> like, no, when I was being simple, this isn't what I, I was thinking in my head, right? Mm-hmm. Or you'll have clients where they're like, they, they want this, that, that, and that, like all these like design elements and like their logos, like they want a crown here or this here, stars here. And it's like, you give them that, they're like, ooh, this is too much. So I do that sometimes because I want, I want people to learn, right? Like I like when businesses learn um, the design aspect of their business because it's critical when it comes to continuing that business and that brand so when i deliver say the simplistic design and they're like oh like this when i said simple this isn't really what i meant i'm like okay so let's take apart the one i've sent to you what is missing um that you would add or what is there that you would take away right and we kind of go from there to work on what it is that they actually mean. Because a lot of times people can see it in their heads and they may not just say it um, how they see it or right. vice versa. You know what I mean? So um, I kind of like to do that with, with my clients as well. That's so cool. Yeah, because the language isn't always there for them or the yeah. visual is hard to, to convey. As absolutely. Like they, they don't always know how to um, 
convey some of the things that they want and want to see, right? And sometimes they might just have seen like another example from like another page or scrolling on Facebook, Instagram, whatever. And they're like, oh, I want something like that as well too, right? I always deal with a lot of those too. Like, oh, just give me what this person has. (laughs) I'm like, no, that's not how it works. That's true. Have you ever yeah. found a situation where they said like, oh, I want all of these like components, these design elements, these colors, and then your, 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 uh, I suppose senses say like, that. I'm not sure that would. It's so great. funny when I get people, you know, it's the color picking part, right? Mm-hmm. One people, I tell them, pick your colors in the colors that you would want for your brand. And you'll see like fuchsia and like, bright blues or all these different things and I'm like and this is from an actual (laughs) I really hope she doesn't listen to this but anyway so it's a funny story she picked all these things and I'm like what (laughs) like why are these colors so bright they're not complimentary at all um I you know the one thing like I was I said before it's come to the point where I'm almost um, I teach as much as I design with my clients. Mm-hmm. So like I, after they pick their colors, we'll go through it. I'll ask, okay, why this color? Oh, it's my favorite color. Or it's my daughter's favorite color. And I'm like, okay, so is your daughter your audience or are you your audience? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yes. So they'll now like think about it. Oh, shoot. I'm like, is your business going to only be catered to her because it's her favorite color? So that's all she's going to, she's going to love it. But will your actual customers love it? Right. So I always try to do color theory. When we get to that point of the Pinterest board, um, I explain, you know, complementary colors, opposite colors, monochromatic colors, like, and then, you know, part of the research is like, okay, look at your industry, right? Like, look, at the colors that other brands are using. You know, you don't have to copy it, but like just kind of give yourself an idea of what it is they're showing, right? Because people react to color differently. There is so many research um, out there about how um, people react to blue, people react to red, white, black, uh, just because it, it, I guess something in your brain just processes colors differently and makes you feel a certain way sometimes. So I always try to explain to people that um, sometimes too much <laughs> is not is not what we're going for. Too much can just be that just that, just too much. Right? We have to learn how to scale it back a bit. That's so good. And it's a very involved process then and like I'm it's good to hear it seems that your clients are very open to it once they kind of recognize that there are things that are beyond like my favorite color and more on the audience side of things. I always see like when we do the initial meeting, like I'll tell people like, I like to do research. I like for us to actually go through the process ourselves. So if you're going to be too busy to actually learn about some of these things, like I'm not going to teach you a class or anything, but if (laughs) you're going to be too busy to at least, sit with me to like learn these little elements that can actually elevate your brand but if you might not be the right fit right mm-hmm. um i like to educate as much as i like to help design and i think that aspect um is one of the things i love about running a studio is just getting to teach people the things i know as well because i know it goes a long way to keep in mind right mm-hmm. um and the thing is, like, my model hasn't always been this way. I remember when I first started, like, I would finish a design and I would, you know, you would have all your colors and everything. But then a couple months later, I'll see on, like, a client's Instagram that their color scheme has completely gone off brand. Mm-hmm. And they're now just, like, posting whatever they like or what things that just don't really sit with their initial brand. Um so I started, I did more in-depth um, research to kind of develop a proper onboarding process. And I think it works for me now. And I believe a lot of my clients have loved it. Um, I check in on their pages every once in a while. I'm like, okay, you're still doing a good job. <laughs> so that's good. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. That's good. Really building those foundations for them to keep going once you're once you've taken your hands off. I like that. So you've done some work on a project called Black Owned Manitoba. Uh, what has this experience been like? Wow, um, it's been quite amazing, actually. You know, when I thought about what I wanted the visual aspect of it to look like, I kind of was thinking a little Motown, a little Soul Train, Marvin Gaye, mm. you know, throwing it back. I wanted it to have a little bit of a retro type of feel to it. And, you know, I, we put it out there and the response was just like phenomenal, right? Like people have been so, so, so supportive of it. Um, and we've used it as an opportunity to educate other people as well. You know, a lot of people have thought that um, it's like some sort of inclusive club or not exclusive club. Um, and it doesn't involve anyone else and we have to explain like it's a community thing right like it's not just for black owned businesses to use like this is for everybody it's just for you to know that there are people outside of your circle that do things as well that you can support right Um, but it's been amazing working on it i've never had to really build a directory so the coding aspect of it has been a little difficult i've had to take a few breaks here and there (laughs) But um, in general, everything is coming along really well. And like, I've actually really enjoyed the process of design for this one. That's awesome. And yeah, it's something that I kind of refer to and like look forward to the more, the more that it comes together is, yeah, like there's, there's people out there that you can support that you may not know. Yes, exactly. How do you think artists and creatives can solve problems or bring more awareness to the lack of representation for BIPOC creatives? Or maybe even like educate as you know, as you do for your design on, on those. That's subjects? a really good question. So I think throughout history and even currently, right, I believe artists have always used their creative abilities to help society. You know, artists have always brought up awareness, protested injustices, um, and in some way have helped humanity. Like I've done quite a bit of research on um, different art throughout history, and I've kind of seen that um, prevalent in quite a bit of like um, movements that have been going on. There's been key artists that have actually put a stamp on the movement and have created art. So I think for me, the most important thing about this um, creatives and artists, where it stems from is that there's a huge lack of um, Black, Indigenous, and people of color art in our curriculum already, like even from middle school to high school to university and college. Like, I don't think we are represented in any way in the curriculum. And I think that's where it starts deeply, right? Um, And something like that, it deprives people of ethnic uh, minority, their history. And that has many consequences. Like not only does it like portray incorrect um, narratives that um, BIPOC artists are non-existent, but it denies these artists of influential credit they deserve because they have been influential, right? Like we look at totem poles by indigenous people, like they have stamped their art and work um, all over Canada, right? And those are not um, things that we celebrate as proper art, right? So it's like, we've gotten to the point that art has become a little bit whitewashed. There's there's a tiny little bit, that these different representatives have just been completely hidden or just not talked about, right? Um, So I think that's where it starts for me. And I think the way we can change the narrative of a whitewashed art history is like, whether you are a person of color or not, or whatever profession you may be, um, at the very least, you can do some research, acknowledge and celebrate true art history, right? Or creative history. Um, if you're in a position of an educator, um, teacher, professor, you can include BIPOC arts and BIPOC artists in your lessons where appropriate, right? And I think you should encourage um, 
students, creative artists, um, to challenge you on that, like to ask you to present work by ethnic minorities, right? Like diversify your teachings, diversify your lesson. Um, even on Winnipeg, like I remember there was a protest at the art gallery because Black artists found that their art wasn't represented at all. Like, you know, it's a huge, huge art gallery. And how are we so underrepresented? Right? It, it doesn't show, it's not a true reflective of our current times at all. Mm-hmm. So I think that we as artists and creatives should continue to use our creative fields to promote and to educate, right? So if you're a painter, what you cannot say with your mouth, you say with your canvas, right? And your paintbrush. Um, if you're a spoken word artist, like, get in touch with that side of yourself and put out a piece that reflects not only what you're thinking or what other people may be thinking as well, right? I think the best thing we can do is just to continue to use our um, our strength in our creative processes to push and educate these narratives that, yes, BIPOC art exists. We're here. We are... Um, we are amazing and we're talented, right? So. Yeah, that's really good. And that's such a really good point is like throughout, like going through school, there's not a whole lot of that represent, even just the, exactly like the idea of the totem poles. And it's something that you kind of just overlook now because you've not been trained to see it as art. Yes, absolutely. Exactly, right? But it is, and it's beautiful work, and it's hard work. Like, I've watched a video on how they make it, and it's just so fascinating. So it's like those things are artwork, and those things should be acknowledged, right? You know, I was, I've seen a literal painting of just one brush stroke, <laughs> and it's been, like, hailed and deemed as the most amazing thing, and it's auctioned off at you know these auctions for so much money and i'm like are you kidding me so it's like who are the gatekeepers of art and why are these not as inclusive as they should be like you know art isn't just owned by one person and the thing about art and creativity is the it's one of those things that can transcend many cultures and many people right you have a song by an artist an american artist for example and that song will get played in China, it will get played in Japan, in Africa, UK, Australia. Like, it will get played on every single continent, right? So music transcends. Music is a form of art. Paintings transcend, right? And they're translated so differently um, in different countries and stuff like that. So it's like this field of art and creativity is so widespread. And it's the one thing I would say that connects us so deeply as people because it's a way that we can communicate right it's art is used to communicate basically and there's so much that can be said and so many messages that can be sent through art and creativity um, that can connect every single person like whether i'm here or whether you're across the ocean over there like we can be connected through art so it's just so important that people get um, exposed to different art from different artists and different creatives. Like that is a very important part of um, our just human life, to be honest. That's what I think about it. That's so good. That's so true too. Um, Going back to conversations about branding and design, what do you think makes branding effective? Ooh, I love this topic. (laughs) So I hope I don't rant too long about this. I love the topic of branding. Um, Branding is as much of just the experience as it is the visual aspect. Um, It starts from the first email or DM that somebody sends you, right? Before it even gets to the the project or the process of it. It's the minute a customer or client contacts you. That's when your branding starts. So I always tell people branding is an experience that you go through. Um, And branding doesn't have to shout about the industry or the company. Branding design is often more effective when things are subtly implied, right? For me, the two most important parts of branding 
um, are your brand message and what sets your brand apart. So a great looking logo won't cut it these days. Your branding design needs to communicate the brand's message clearly and it needs to resonate with your ideal customer or your client. Um, and that might be easier said than done, but it's one of the most effective parts of branding. Um, you want to be able to completely um, uncover what your brand message is. And I think that's what a lot of people forget to do is just, oh, I want to start this thing. And then you get your logo, you get your website, and that's it. But it's like, what exactly is the message of this brand? Like, what are you putting out there, right? Because that's a very important thing. That's something that you might not have to say, but the customer or client can feel, right? Uh, and the second part is the being unique part. You know, a big part of effective branding is the ability to set your brand apart. Your branding must be unlike anyone else in your industry. And it really should be like a one of one. So that's why I like to always add in that whole research part, right? It's like you research about the industry that the customer wants to go in. And it's like, okay, you see that. You see the colors that are being used. You see the styles of fonts. You see the styles of the websites that people are creating, logos, etc. right? So your job as a designer now is to take all that research and say, okay, this is what is most popular right now. But here's how I can still um, complete this brand, make it fit into the industry, but still add the uniqueness of... Um, the brand message or the story behind um, why the person is starting the brand. So this is where that whole discovery thing comes up because you take those things and kind of inject it into the brand identity because that is where you stand out, right? Um, so yeah, those are the two important things for me when it comes to branding. It's really not, the visual part of it is huge, but it's not, biggest part it's the things that people don't see right i always talk about this um i always talk about apple for example so apple is a huge huge brand it's not like apple is the first brand to create as many of these innovations as we see you know there's always that ongoing battle between apple and samsung who created this first blah 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 but i always say it's the experience and their message that makes people like apple Apple has this whole thing about inclusivity and connectedness, right? How to stay connected with the people that are important to you, are around you, or with the activities you like to do. So they have mastered that part of their brand. They effectively communicate, okay, if you buy this product, these are the million and one ways that it is going to affect your life, help you, um, help you with your friends, help you just stay connected with just everybody here and far, right? So they effectively communicate that. It's not like their logo or anything is like the greatest thing. Like if you look at how much their logo has changed over the years, it's the most simple it's ever been. Yes. Literally just an apple, you guys. <laughs> so that's why I say the, the visual part of it comes in last. It's the things that um, that the brand implies, right? Like when they post a new product, it's like, okay, here are a million ways that this one product is going to work with all the other products that you have. And you're like, oh, damn, I might really need this. Next thing you know, you're standing in line for a new product that you probably actually don't need. But you think you do because they told you to. Yes. So it's like they have really, really mastered it. And I, I always use them. I know they're huge. But I always use them when I talk to clients that this is what we're striving for. We're striving for the marketing genius that is Apple. And and yes, they have mastered the, their products, right? Everything has this cohesiveness and everything has a look to it. And that's very important when it comes to branding. I always talk about cohesiveness, whether it with color, font, text, um, just design style. Cohesiveness is a huge thing because, and I guess with smaller businesses, I shouldn't go from your Facebook to your Instagram to your Twitter and see three different styles of branding. Everything right. should be the same. Everything should 
look and be cohesive where you can see a photo and be like, oh, shoot, I know where that is from. You know what I mean? Like, you can see a product or a commercial. I know these days, like, I think Apple, their commercial, they put their logo at the end or sometimes they don't even do that. But you know it's an Apple commercial. You right. know it's an Apple product. So, you know, that is effective branding. So I always use Apple as an, as, as an example to say that it's really not the visual. It's what you um, say without really saying too much. Mm-hmm. That is very important part of branding. Yes. Yes. And that's actually so interesting. Like now looking back in my mind, kind of like commercials that I like, they don't even really talk about anything for like the first, I don't know, 10 seconds, but I know what it is. And it's just like, wait a second, like, how how did I figure out that this was about this right away? Because you just subconsciously, like, you've seen it, you've seen the branding of it, and it's like, shoot, yeah, yeah, that's Apple. Or you'll see those little TELUS animals, and you just know it's a TELUS commercial. Yes. The Fido dog, right? So, you know, some people use different aspects of the branding to, um, to be out there. Apple doesn't really use their logo that much. But it's the message, it's the, the visuals, the music um, that they use, right? Whereas other brands, they'll have like that specific thing, right? Even Nike, take Nike. I think Nike and Apple kind of have similar models where it's like, you don't, you can see a commercial and just know it's going to have like the Nike check at the end. Yes. <laughs> and that's just it. Mm-hmm. Or these days, it's just a photo with a quote on it. And it's on a billboard and you know it's a Nike ad. Because they don't always put the check mark there, right? But they, it's the branding. Yeah, it's like it's in the language that they use or the colors that are that are there. And it's it's super subtle, but you kind of have that association already. And that's interesting. Like using using an example like Apple, it should be it's almost like sort of meta, because it's like, hey, if you understand that this is Apple, then you would want your brand to be understood in a very similar exactly. manner to your audience. Exactly. That's, that's why I always use them as an example because I ask, like, okay, when you see your business, like, where do you see it going? Like, what kind of branding style do you see um, your business or brand having, right? So I always try to, to get people to see things, like, on a larger scale and just apply the same, right? Like, it doesn't have to be... You know, I've had some people say, well, I don't make as much revenue as Apple does. I'm like, you don't need to. But if you can think like that, that will already take your your business or your brand to the next level, right? So, yeah, that's kind of it. Branding is huge. It's literally everything. And when you wrap it all up, it's just like the entire experience of it, right? So you want that customer to come in, have a good experience and tell people about your product, tell people about your store or you want to finish that artwork for somebody and have them share it, right? I always tell people that a lot of my um, clients that I've had, it's from word of mouth. It's not from them randomly finding me. It's from somebody sharing the experience they had with me with somebody else, right? And that's how I've booked quite a bit because I haven't been the person to always like promote my work. Like, hey, guys, hire me. Uh, stuff like that like I've just kind of I've always been timid when it came to the promoting part so I've relied on word of mouth a lot and for if that's the thing you're going to do you have to make sure that you're delivering top-notch work right like you have to be on top of it so yeah that's kind of one of the things I've learned when it comes to the whole brand experience and stuff like that Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's part of your your brand experience too, right? Is it, they come out of it more educated and have a better understanding of things. And that's the thing that they would share to other people as well. And they, it would kind of lead to that. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so you talked about getting that story in like that unique story into their brand. You have a post on your design page with the word Mark Shea, and you talk about custom fonts having unique stories. Maybe you can expand on that. Yes, absolutely. I remember the day I created that. Um, So Shea is from, it's actually a product used in my family called Shea Butter. So it's like a type of um, 
I want to say lotion. It's almost like coconut oil, right? So it's used in multiple, multiple things from hair to skin, face, so many things. Um, so when I was creating it in my head, I'm like, okay, so how do I want this word mark to be portrayed? Like, what is the type of thing I want uh, when people see it? How they feel about it? You know, I even was like, okay, what image would I put the text on, right, to kind of further portray what I'm kind of thinking in my head? And the thing with custom fonts is, I mean, one, it's easy for you to just go on any font website, download something, and think it looks cool. But custom fonts, when somebody's creating it, they're creating it with you in mind, right? So, so I'm talking about like it from designer point of view now. So I'm creating it with the customer in mind. And this is based on whatever they have told me. So say we have a customer who is wants to have like a bakery logo and they were inspired by their grandmother and you know they have all these really heartfelt stories about growing up um with this family member and stuff like that. So it's like when you're creating something custom, one, I hope you've listened and kind of pinpointed some unique facts that you can might maybe use to throw into the design um but it's like when you've now created this custom font you've created it with the customer in mind with their experience in mind um and with their story in mind right so the hope is that when you present it they all automatically feel what their story is right they automatically feel that thing that they've already talked to you about they feel their um, childhood experience they feel um, that a connection that they have with their grandmother through whatever logo work you create right and then i tie this in with what we were talking about earlier how it's like when you do something like that it's easier for the client to explain what their brand is right like what their business is because that becomes part of their business story so i always say that it is great for custom fonts to kind of tell uh, stories based on what the like what you're creating right so for me i use thinner ligatures thinner lines um in the shia logo and rounder edges just to kind of um, illustrate that soft, buttery type of uh, feel, right? And then even with the color of it, right? So I kind of went with the color that's in the color scheme of it. So the actual shade butter is very like, it's on the beige side. So I kind of made sure I picked something within that range. And then um, I put it on an image that illustrated melanin for me right because it's just like i know it's just something that my community uses a lot so it's important stories i don't think people think about um the stories behind a lot of design elements and and things that um designers do and i think it's important to share that right um it's important to to design with intent just don't just say oh okay i have a customer who is a barber let me just put scissors on a comb it's like yeah generic but what exactly is unique about them right like what is that one thing that you can add to their logo or branding that will tell a story right and i believe in custom font i think if you're gonna have a text-based logo if that's something that you want I would highly recommend going with a custom font. And if it's something you can do, at least try to get something very close to it. You know what I mean? Because uh, I do know custom fonts can be very, um, they're on the expensive side for sure. Because, you know, people are hand drawing. But um, yeah, I think it's important to incorporate um, stories in many design elements from fonts to colors to text. Like, it just kind of wraps into the entire brand as a whole when you do those things. And then it's just easier to um, to explain and it's easier for the brand to just come off as it should, you know? Yes. So, yeah. Absolutely. And so that's one thing that Serena always tells me. It's like, you know, like the whole the whole design is like holistic, like all these components, if you think about it, 
and you understand it, it all adds to this greater Absolutely. Picture. Like there's so many, it's like, I always look at design like a math equation, right? Like, you know how you have to do, is it some addition before subtraction or sort of subtraction before yeah. addition, whichever way it goes. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like a math equation where you have to do these little steps, but in the end, these steps lead you to getting the correct answer, right? So that's kind of how I look at design. Like there's these little steps, but they all contribute to the greater good of the design and of the brand as a whole. So it's just, you know, it's just something that um, designers and also clients should keep in mind as well when they approach designers too, right? Um, You kind of, that's why I, I really advocate for designers or clients to educate each other because it makes it easier when you guys are working together, you know, like, so if say somebody now, if you're listening to this, <laughs> when you are looking for a design next, right? Like if you approach a designer and you talk to them, okay, about color theory, say you say, these are the colors that you have in mind. How do you think these colors will make my client feel, right? Or a customer feel? Um, when they approach my business, you know, some, just something so simple like that. Right. And it will get not only the designer thinking, but you as well. Right. So which adds to the greater good of the brand as a whole. So I think we design is something that it just works. It's everywhere around us. Like whether it's through graphics or just architectural stuff like it's everywhere so if you know we as designers can educate as much as we can and as much as we do design i think it'll help people look at things a lot differently and help um, people who are wanting to start their brands think about things a lot differently and kind of incorporate um, important elements into their branding as a whole Mm-hmm, absolutely and yeah it, it takes you away from just seeking out well like what's trendy and then falling into uh like we all look the same and more on yeah because you of- have to remember you still need to set yourself apart right yes. um even though you want to be industry standard but still what sets you apart from the rest of these people doing the same thing as you and yes. that's where your story and uniqueness come in mm-hmm Speaking of uniqueness, uh, what makes you unique? See, you know, this is a question I've always struggled with just because I've always been the type of person to just be in the background a lot. Um, But in the most recent years, I've thought about it more in depth. And I think for me, what makes me unique is my widespread knowledge of a lot of technical design skills and elements. Um, I think it's the way I use simplicity as well as functionality together in my work. It's also the fact that I'm self-taught in a lot of areas that I excel in, and I'm really um, proud of that. Um, What else makes me unique is that I have a philosophy, right? I believe that um, good design should be an embodiment of form and function, you know, the integration of beautiful things and useful things. Um, I design with attributes of duality and balance. And that is from my business name, by the way, 21 Designs. So two and one are numbers that uh, actually balance each other, which is why I kind of picked it, which is also my birthday number. (laughs) I get asked that quite a lot. So cool. Yeah, I get asked that quite a lot. And I'm like, yeah, um, the two, those two numbers, like they balance each other very well. Um, there's like a whole, uh, if you're into numbers, <laughs> there are um, research and experiments about which numbers work together. But yes, two and one um, are dual and they, they just balance each other out. And it's a concept I believe in wholeheartedly and I use it in my personal life. And it also shows through my design as well, right? And I always seek to bring um, creativity and functional balance to a lot of the designs I've developed. And I try to encourage my clients and the people around me to to do the same as well. So, yeah, 
I think that's kind of what makes me unique. What the heck? That's like the whole birthday thing. The the mathematical research on those two, that that's just really cool. And I think that's that's something very interesting and I find very fascinating is like the ability to kind of bring together like something so seemingly unrelated like mathematics into design or something creative and being able to create something out of that. It's that's super interesting because it's not often that you hear and see those two concepts put together. But like to Mm-hmm. So that yeah, that's really cool. Thank you. And I guess uh just to kind of wrap things up, uh how can we follow and support your work? Um so currently right now you can follow me on Instagram at Ema E K N E M and also at Black Owned M B and as well as my design page 21 Design Pro. So I do have quite a bit of projects that I need to upload because I've still been working. It's just, it's been so busy that I have not um, updated my personal design page, but I'll get to it. And if you ever want to work with me, you can just shoot me a DM on um, both my personal and design page and we can see what we can do. Yeah, I think this is awesome. And yeah, I had so much fun. And these questions were were quite great. When when you sent them to me, I was like, "Ooh, this is amazing!" Um, it just kind of gets you thinking, right? So I thought about them. I was like, "Okay, you know what? I want to be able to answer them as well as I can." I didn't even write anything down. I was just like, "Let me let me challenge myself to think outside the box." And yeah, and this is really outside um, what I usually do. Like I said, I'm always kind of background person so this was really a nice step outside the box for me so thank you nice i'm glad to hear it. it's it's very different to kind of yeah like be on the receiving end of questions i imagine especially for like creative people um they all probably often ask the questions yes the yeah <laughs> Awesome. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the episode. Consider giving us a rating on iTunes and subscribing or following the podcast. Share this episode with your friends and we will see you in the next one.